So, hey, will you pull up John three seventeen, Katie? One bad joke. Oh gosh. Oh, we got to think of one then. <laughs> yeah, I, I I did. I went to a place today, and the lady told me. She, she said her name was Antoinette, and, and she says, do you want me to spell it? And I said, no, I think I can spell it. She goes, well, it's N-O. <laughs> that was what she said, N-O. That's how it's spelled, meaning she's not going to spell it. She says, if you, do you want me to spell it? And she said, no. <laughs> That's a dad joke. So I told her. I told her that, you know, you shouldn't be telling me stuff like that today because uh, I dreamed about mufflers all night last night. And I woke up this morning and I was exhausted. Okay, now you go. <laughs> there you go. There's my dad joke tonight. Why not? <laughs> Kate, Anna had to hear that twice tonight because I already told her at dinner. So, so... Everybody knows John 3.16, and a couple weeks ago, or when, when Caitlin shared at church, right? wasn't here, but she shared a verse, this verse, but uh, on Friday night. But basically, in John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And then it goes on. Because a lot of people think, well, if they hear that, they go, well, he's coming to condemn me. But this is what it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And, and I guess when uh, we had a, a guest speaker come to church a few weeks ago, and, and he nailed me. I don't know if he nailed the rest of you guys. His name was Bob Sorge. But in the end, Sorge. Sorge. I, 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 I enjoyed him, by the way. But, but one of the things that he challenged us with was to read all of the, the Scripture that had to do with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection before Easter. And I took the challenge. I read them all. And, you know, I, it's, it's something for a long time I watched the Passion of the Christ every year because I wanted to remember what Jesus went through. I mean, and, and you know, we just had Easter and, and we did an Easter egg hunt the week before Easter and then we watched a movie last week. And... It was pretty fun, and my team lost, but we had a great time. Yeah, we, we did great. We had an Easter egg hunt, but, but you guys didn't get to hear the Easter message. And so you, you, you kind of got it if you came and watched the Jesus Revolution this week, this last week. But uh, one of the things when I was reading through it, there's, like Caitlin said, whenever you read something new pops up that you didn't get. And that's why you got to keep reading it. I, I know that I, I had a, a, a friend who I worked with. He worked in uh, 
Ravalli County at the time. He was the um, county planner, but he was also a pastor at the Church of Christ in Victor. And he'd been a pastor for 25 years. And uh, we got in the car and um, his car broke down, so he needed a ride for a week. And so we're talking. I'm giving him a ride to work. And I asked him, so what are you reading right now? He says, what do you mean? I says, well, what book in the Bible are you reading? He says, no, nah, I'm not reading anything right now. I said, how come? He says, well, I've read the Bible 20 times. I read, I've I learned Hebrew and I read Hebrew and, you know, I'm just kind of done reading it. <laughs> and And it was a red flag to me. I mean, I was like, what? And within six months, his church let him go. Within a year, his wife divorced him. You know, and I'm not saying if you quit reading your Bible, you don't read your Bible, your life's going to go bad, but it sure did for him. And my conversations with him, he just kind of, I just know it's so important to read God's Word. If you've never read it, you need to read it. Because it's, it's him speaking to us. It's his, it's his love letters. I, I, you know, I know the days that I don't read the Bible are the hardest days I have. And I know I just need to get up in the morning a little early and spend some time reading. And so that's what I was doing. I was reading the Bible. It, it's a sacrifice. You've got to give up some time. You know, but if you, if you don't, you're missing out on something because God wants to speak to you. And when I was reading it, this is, this is kind of what I got. <laughs> it said in, in, in Matthew it said, before Christ died, from noon to 3 o'clock, darkness fell across the land. Total darkness. It's like, so he's on the cross, and, and, and it doesn't say what, and, and no one's able to pinpoint it, but there was total darkness. Was it an eclipse? What was it? <laughs> I don't know, but I do know that there was darkness for three hours, for three hours. And there was a lot of things that happened to Jesus before that. I mean, he was whipped, he was beaten, he had crown of thorns put on his head, he was smashed on his head, he bled. I mean, it was, it was, he got punched, he got made fun of. But while he was on the cross for three hours in utter darkness, he was separated from the Father and from the Holy Spirit. And he took the punishment of my sins and of your sins, of Isaac and Caitlin's sins. He took the punishment for all of us. We don't know what it was. We just know that he was, his face was so disfigured afterwards. Nobody recognized him. That's what the Bible says. Um, I... I don't know. I just, when I read it, it really broke me this time that he took it, you know. And, and while people were, were putting him down and telling him, you know, things like, so you're going to, when are you going to tear down this temple and build it up in three days while you're on the cross? You know, they, they, were, they were making fun of him. Oh, yeah? 
if you're God, if you really are the Messiah, why don't you come down from the cross? I mean, they, they just they put him down. They mocked him. And, and he, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're saying. I mean, that's, I, who does that, right? When, when, you're, when people are putting somebody else down, you know, I always thought the best defense is a good offense, right? <laughs> Jesus, Jesus didn't have an offense. He, he, you know, when they, were, when they were accusing him, he never said a thing. He never defended himself. He didn't need to. You know, I, I just, I, I think about this. The devil had to know <laughs> that he was blowing it. At some point, he had to know. But he just wanted to kill him so bad that he just continued on. Because, I mean, he lost because he thought he won. But he lost. It's crazy, but it said that at a certain point, he said, my God... My God, why have you forsaken me? It's the same words that David wrote in the Psalms. Um, because he was all alone. The only ones that were really for him was Mary Magdalene and his mother Mary and John <laughs> in the crowd and, and a few other women. And that was it. His disciples all left him. Peter wasn't there. He's never mentioned I mean, he, he felt abandoned. And, it, and then it said in, in verse 50 of chapter 27, he said, Jesus cried out with a loud voice and said, it is finished. I did it. I mean, that's his way of saying I did it. We'd have been proud. He just said, it's finished. Um, and, and he, in, in, in the book of Mark, it says, and he breathed out his life. I mean, what a, what a great verse. What a way to put it. He breathed out. I mean, most of us would say he breathed out his last breath. No, he breathed out his life. He, he gave it up willingly. I mean, he could have asked God to send a host of angels to rescue him. But he didn't because he knew that he was dying for me and dying for you. It was... It, it, in, in Matthew, it says he gave up his spirit. So his spirit surrendered to God's spirit. I, I, I don't, you know, that's interesting. It's an interesting thought. So I, it, it, it's one of those things. And then it, it says right after that, it says, and at once the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. I don't know if you've read in Leviticus <laughs> what the curtain is. You know, they built this curtain. I mean, it's like eight inches wide, I think it is, of material. Eight inches wide. Thick. And it's solid. And it was, what, 20 or 30 feet tall? The, the temple? It's, it's pretty tall. It was tall. And it says the curtain was torn from the top to the bottom. Ripped, like in an instant. And... And I'm sure that all of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, when they heard what happened, mortified. 
because that's the same one that was had been there since Moses made it. And there it is. It's, it's ripped. You know, it's not something you can replace today, in a day, or a week, or a year. I don't know how long it took him to do it, but it took him a while to do it. But it signified that Jesus tore the curtain. So that, that curtain was in between the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. And, and you know, basically one priest, one time a year, got to go into that place. One time, one time a year, got to go in. And it was so scary that he had to wear bells around him because if he fell or God struck him, nobody else could go in and get him because they would die if they did. So they had a rope that was tied around his waist <laughs> so that they could pull him out. Think about that. That's the only time anybody got to go into God's presence where God dwelt. And God tore that because Jesus, well, Jesus tore it by dying so that we no longer have to go to the Jerusalem to go into that temple to worship God. We get to worship right here in our hearts because he promises that he's going to come. He had to die in, in John 14, 15, and 16. He says, I have to leave so that the Holy Spirit can come. That's his promise. When the Holy Spirit comes, he comes inside. He lives in us. Bob Sorgate talked about he lives not in your head, not in your heart, <laughs> not in your belly, but in your in your in your spirit, which is right about here, he said. It was kind of interesting, you know. But that's where he is. Um, he, uh, it says there was an earthquake that took place. And it shook the rocks, and the rocks were split, and the tombs were opened. And the bodies of the saints came out of their tombs and went to the city and appeared to many. If you haven't read that before, you didn't know that was in there. It's in Matthew 51 and 52 of chapter 27 of Matthew. But the people that believed in God and believed that the Messiah was going to come rose from the dead <laughs> and walked around to their relatives and said, Hey, look what Jesus did. I mean, think about that. I'm sure they weren't silent. They knew what was going on. Crazy. I, I don't <laughs> You watch all these creepy movies about what are they called now? No, no, no. The creepy, the the dead people, the zombies, zombies walking around. These weren't zombies. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they had their new body or what, but I know people knew him, and they came around. It said, it's the Bible says that. The, Jew, the, the Roman soldiers, the centurion and the soldiers that were standing there and that crucified Jesus, that carried all this out, said, truly this was the Son of God when they saw all this. They saw everything. They said, truly this was the Son of God. I mean, think about that. I, I, I don't know what would keep somebody from not putting their faith in Christ when the people that killed him said, Truly, this was the Son of God. And that's amazing. That's just amazing. So, 
on the third day, Sunday. So he died on Friday. They, they put him on the cross at 9 o'clock in the morning. He died around 3 when the sun came out again because he came out when he died. Get it? That's good stuff, right? He spent six hours. Most people spent 12 to 18 to maybe 24 hours. But the Passover was coming and they wanted him to die. But Jesus was so brutally beat. And so, and he took the punishment from God while he was in that darkness that he died after six hours. I mean, it wasn't an easy six hours. It was probably harder than anyone else. I mean, the, the thieves on the cross were kind of jeering at him. Well, both were at first. And then one realized, why are we doing this? This guy's innocent. He didn't do anything. He didn't deserve this. But we deserve this. I'm sorry. He said, remember me when you go into your kingdom. And Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. It's amazing. I mean, like that, he was saved. That's all it takes is an instant of just putting your faith in God. It's amazing. In an instant. It said that when there was another earthquake that happened on that third day, and it said that the rock split again, but the big rock that was put in front of the tomb rolled away. Jesus wasn't in there, but the, the stone was rolled away. And, and you, if you haven't read it or you didn't know, there was a lot of soldiers that were out there protecting the tomb. It wasn't just two. Some, some kind of show two or three. No. There, there, was, there was a bunch of them. They were there to protect it. And there was nothing they could do. I mean, they knew they were all dead. So they went with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They went to them and said, protect us. We didn't do anything, but he rose. And they said, well, tell a lie. And they did. But uh, for money and for them to live. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he gave us victory over death. That's what he did. You no longer have to fear death. I mean, I tell people all the time, I'm not afraid to die. I'm ready. I, I have. I've got a lot of stories where I almost died, but I'm still here. Twice I had things that less than one half of one percent of people die from, or no, live from. They live from, right? Right. That's not good odds for dying. <laughs> Sorry. So, so anyway, there's a verse in First Peter three eighteen which says that, that Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh but made alive by the Spirit. So, so that's what happened. He suffered once for sin. And it wasn't easy, but he doesn't have to keep going back. The Jews had to keep going and sacrificing. Every time they sinned, they had to do another sacrifice. We don't have to. Jesus died once for all, for our sins past, our sins present, our sins future. He died for them all. Right. And he did it, I mean, but he was the just for the unjust. We're the unjust. 
we're unworthy. I mean, we've all done things that we need forgiveness of. All of us. It's interesting. Um, we watched a movie last week. At least some of you guys did. Who, who came and watched it? How many guys? Quite a few. Some of you guys watched it before. I mean, interesting movie, right? Sad? So it was, it was about a guy named Lonnie Frisbee, who was a hippie. <laughs> Lonnie Frisbee. I, you know, I, I tried to Google it, and I couldn't find it. You know, did they name the Frisbee after him? <laughs> That's what popped in my head when I saw it. I don't know, you know, but I just, I'm old. I just think those things. See, I played Frisbee a lot as a kid. Um, but I was born in 1959. This stuff kind of took place in the late 60s, early 70s. 1959. So, so I watched this stuff on TV. You know, when they, when they showed them sitting around watching them step on, on the moon, I mean, I remember the chills going up and down my spine, and I just remember, you know, everybody in my family clapped. I mean, there was, there was six of us sitting around a TV and clapping. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. I mean, that's, that's what you did. Huh? 63. I was close. Yeah. So, so it, was, it was a pretty exciting time, but, you know, I, I, had, uh, I had a cousin who drove up to Montana with her boyfriend on the back of his Harley. And uh, I was... Gosh, I'm trying to think. I was probably 12 at the time, 12 or 13. And this guy was 6'5". He had a beard down to here, you know, and long hair and a ponytail in the back. And, um, yeah, he was a hippie. He was a hippie. I mean, he wore boots when he was on the bike, but as soon as he got off the bike, he was in his bare feet. And his feet were filthy and he stunk. <laughs> I just remember that. I mean, he stunk, and and I remember we we had corn on the cob. Yes, what's that? Oh yeah, I wore bell bottoms. You bet, bell sleeves, long hair. I had I had handlebar mustache or or the, the handlebar mustache, and I had the the what do you call the the chops for sideburns? I had ch huge chops. Yeah. They didn't call them mullets back then. They just said, yeah, you was a long-haired hippie. That's what they called us. And, and anyway, this guy, we had corn on the cob for dinner, right? And, and this guy was eating corn on the cob, and he had probably 10 or 12 kernels in his beard, right? <laughs> I mean, it was like, oh, my. And I remember my mom saying to him, Lance, you have corn in your beer, beard. And he says, oh, yeah, I'm just saving them for later. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I almost died. And I've used it 100 times for, since then, right? So, so anyway, um, there was a revival that broke across America. started from hippies and young people. I mean, that's what it was. There was a revival that broke out. People... People went nuts for Jesus. I mean, I remember it. I remember it on the news. I remember seeing the Time magazine. I remember 
you know, them talking about it at church. I went to a Lutheran church, and they didn't really like it. <laughs> kind of kind of like, like Chuck Smith. He was not really liking it at first. It's interesting, but it spread all over the country. And there was a guy in the movie, and his name was Lonnie Frisbee. And this is kind of what I want to get to. Is it was a part that, I mean, his brother, Lonnie's brother, I listened to an interview of him. Basically, he says that the Jesus movement started because of Lonnie. And the movie pretty much points that he was a big good cause, of, a good part of it. You know, but the problem was is at a certain point, it became more about Lonnie than it did Jesus. Even though God was doing some great things through him, he called it my ministry. And it was kind of hard because Chuck Smith had to sit him down, had to help him get his priorities right, even though he was doing great things. I mean, he restored sight to a blind person. He, he helped somebody to, to be able to hear that couldn't hear. I mean, he restored hearing. And he, he, the one guy that was there that was in the wheelchair, he never walked, but I know he was healed from his addiction. A lot of people got healed from their addictions because of Lonnie. And, I mean, there was thousands of people that would get baptized at one time in Pirate's Cove. I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible if you think about it. A thousand people at once. And it was people that crawled in their cars like you saw at the end of that movie where they would drive from Texas and they'd drive from anywhere to go to Pirate's Cove to get baptized. I mean, that, that's pretty cool. Um, but I guess what I wanted, wanted to, to help you to see is the faith thing and ministry thing isn't about us. It's about God. And Lonnie let it get about Lonnie and not about God. He turned it around later. I mean, he, if you've ever heard about the Vineyard Church, Lonnie was a big part of the starting of the Vineyard Church. He, uh, um, but the question is, are we willing to let God use us because it's it's not it's not I want to do this for God no I want God to do it through me that really needs to be our heart and 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 that's a message for for you guys that are that already put that have already put your trust in Jesus but if you haven't yet it's kind of I want there was a part of the movie that Lonnie told told this young man whose name is Greg Laurie, he told him, I had a vision of you the first night I met you. I saw you preaching to thousands of people. And he said, God's going to use you to preach to thousands of people. And it's interesting. I was 30 years ago. Um, I went to a Baptist church in, in Missoula. And uh, yeah, Baptist. Spent 25 years in a Baptist church, and, and I got to know God. I read the Bible. It was, it was a great place. But I love this church, too, because God's done way more in me since I've been here for the 10 years I've been here. But it's, but it's interesting. Um, 
there was I was playing on a church softball team, and there was a guy that played on the team with us. He was a brother of a friend of mine in college. And anyway, he met this gal that went to our church, and she invited him to church softball, and he played on her team. And they got married. And then she realized he really wasn't walking the way she wanted him to. He was still drinking and still not not really believing what the Bible said. And he wasn't reading the Bible. And she was, you know, he at first he put on a good show. But then as she got to know him, it was different. And she shared with me one night. And uh, she says, if there's any way you can help him, <laughs> I need help. And... I had a cousin who lived in Portland, Oregon, and he gave me a call. He said, hey, John, he says, Promise Keepers is coming to Portland. Um, they're going to do it in a stadium. And I was praying, and God told me I was supposed to call and invite you to come. <laughs> All right. I hadn't seen my cousin in 10 years. And, uh, I, you know, I prayed about it and says, God, should I go to this? You know, I don't want to leave my wife at home. And... Uh, I saw Paul's face, and so I, I prayed about it, and I went, uh, went, we went to their house like the next day um, with our youth group, and they fed us, and we had our youth group at different houses. And we, we would travel, take 20 or 30 people in vans and take them to different houses, and they'd feed us food, and we'd play games and do stuff. And, and I did that for a long time, but I asked Paul, I said, hey, there's a Promise Keepers conference in Portland in two weeks. Would you like to go? I need somebody to go with me. My cousin called me. He's got a place for us to stay. It wouldn't cost us anything but gas to get out there. And he said, let me talk to my wife. And, of course, she said yes. And so we went. We went to this conference and rode all the way out there and went to this conference. And then here's this speaker. I mean, there's 30,000 men in a baseball stadium. And the speaker was Greg Laurie. Yeah. Um, and he gave an altar call. And I'd never heard one like it before. And there was literally a thousand men that responded to that altar call. And my friend was one of them. And uh, his life has never been the same. Because he got it. But Greg Laurie was the guy in the movie. And he's, he's an evangelist. And that's his heart. And his heart was to, to bring people to God. So, my wife always finds weird. I like to watch movies on net, on uh, on pure flicks, and some of them challenge me. Pure flicks, it's a Christian version of Netflix. So there, you get like the Passion of the Christ is on there. Lots of lots of movies about people that real life stories. Yeah, so. It's kind of good, but she had this documentary movie. It was about the life of Luis Palau. And yeah. Yeah. Luis Palau. So Luis Palau was a, was a missionary from Argentina. Um, and when you hear him speak... He, you can tell he's he's got a Spanish dialect, and but God got a hold of him when he was 12 years old. 
he was listening to Billy Graham on the radio in Argentina. <laughs> and God spoke to him. He gave his life. He was 12 years old. He gave his life to God. It was just a few months after his dad passed away. His father had died. His father was a Christian. He was doing street evangelism with his son, but his son hadn't believed yet, but didn't tell anyone. But he prayed with Billy Graham, and in the middle of that prayer, God told him he wanted to be, wanted him to be an evangelist and to, to share to the rest of the world. <laughs> kind of crazy. So he told his vision to few people, and eventually some strings got pulled, and he went to Dallas Theological Seminary free. They sent him free. It was a, a got a scholarship, came, and while he was there, there was, he was kind of got discouraged about everything that was going on, and they were going to send him somewhere and he was going to have to start churches and that wasn't his heart his heart he wanted to be an evangelist and there was a man that was a missionary to several different countries from great britain that came and spoke at one of their classes and he shared a section of scripture with him and it was galatians 2:20 and it says this I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I just wish Lonnie Frisbee would have read this verse. Yeah. Because it's, it's not about us. It's about him. We're, when when we surrender to life to Christ, it says we're crucified with him. And now he lives in us in our body. And that's who leads us and guides us. And when, when you think about it, I have been crucified by Christ and he lives in me. And the life I live now in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. It only happens if you let your faith be in the Son of God. That's what you have to do. You have to put your faith in him. You have to believe that he really did die for you on the cross. I mean, he did. I mean, he changed history. If you th there, there's no other person in all of history that changed the world. I mean, if you think back, we can't prove that Aristotle lived. <laughs> we, we, we have no evidence, not to the, the, the degree of evidence that we have about Jesus, but we all believe in Aristotle. There's many people in, in history that we don't have the evidence that we do about Jesus. The, the Bible wrote about Jesus, obviously, but the people that crucified him wrote about Jesus, the Romans and the Jews caused him to be crucified that didn't put their faith in him wrote about him and said that he lived and died on the cross the only thing missing was a resurrection i'm leaving the day after tomorrow to go to jerusalem i'm pretty excited my wife and i are going to go spend two weeks and we're going to go 
we're going to go see the tomb that Jesus is not buried in. <laughs> I, I'm sure you'll be just fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the one thing about it is, is I'm going on this trip for free. I, you know, it cost us a little bit before, but we lost a little bit of money. But the lady that we scheduled the trip with, there was a cancellation. And at the last minute, somebody got canceled because they had a medical emergency. But they had trip insurance, so their trip was paid for, and they're fine. She just had to have surgery and couldn't go. So they're going to go later. But they needed somebody to go. And we had paid some money before for a trip and then got some money back, but not all of it. And she felt bad, and she gave us a call and said, Hey, <laughs> I have exciting news for you. So we get to go, and I'm going to go see that tomb that Jesus, Jesus left from. Pretty exciting. I'm going to, I'm going to get baptized in the Jordan River, um, the place where Jesus was baptized. You know, it's, it's, I'm going to walk those. So while I do that, I'm going to be praying for you guys. But what I, what I want you to think through is, what do I believe? I know that I've been sitting in groups and a lot of young people have said they're not there yet. They haven't put their faith in Jesus. I'm, I'm just saying there's more evidence about the fact that Jesus lived and died than anything else in history. He's the only God that ever died for me or for you. I mean, he died because he loved you. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus loves you. I know he loves me. He, he gave me this message because he wants somebody here to surrender tonight. God's speaking to somebody, and he wants you to give your life to him. He wants to come in. I mean, he tore the veil of the temple so that he can come inside you. That's what he did. And I, I'd just like you guys just to, to close your eyes and, and to... Like, like Caitlin did earlier, just close your eyes and just, just think. Somebody just died. Oh, no. <laughs> but just close your eyes and just think about where you are and with Jesus. Have you put your faith in him? Have you believed in him? The Bible says if you believe... You'll be saved. To believe means to trust him with all your heart. And I'm just giving you an opportunity right now in this quietness of your heart just to say, Jesus, I believe. Please forgive me. Just say, please forgive me and come inside. Thank you for tearing the temple's curtain. Thank you for dying for me. Just say that to God. Say that to Jesus and tell him you want to give him your life. Let me pray for you guys. Father God, thank you for, for your word. Thank you that it's true. Thank you that it's holy. Thank you that it 
it's what helps me every day. And I pray, Father, that uh, that each person that's here tonight would uh, would get the opportunity to to read your word and to hear your voice and to to get to know you better. Thank you, Jesus, for all you did, all you went through. I'm sorry you had to do it for for me, but I thank you for it. And I, I just pray for everybody that's here that you would you would help them to understand how much you love them and why you died. Thank you, Jesus. Just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.